G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. It's uh, Matt Rowley here. We're brought to you by strike.com.au. Grab a cradle to hold your car phone in from Strike. Use the Green and Gold Rugby uh, discount safe word of Green and Gold Rugby and get yourself a discount. Um, Tim, is this episode 121? I think it is, yeah. I love palindromic numbers. Do you? Yes. <laughs> are you big on those, are you, Matt? Yeah, they're my favourites. <laughs> okay. Words too, but yeah, just to, I love a good palindrome. Okay. Just like most rugby podcasts, it's an important thing. Yeah. Um, but, mate, look, let's not keep our guests waiting any longer. Um, joining us, we've got uh, Damien Hill. Mate, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Th- thanks for coming on. Um Mate, I thought to kick off, um, can you maybe talk us through how you got into rugby coaching? Because it wasn't exactly the standard route, was it? Uh, no, I guess not. Look, I grew up in Wagga, and I didn't actually have any junior rugby um, at the time, so I played a lot of other sports, but my my dad was a rugby coach, so right. um, earliest memories of probably my dad actually had been watching him blow a whistle on a, on a paddock, so... I followed all the way through, and then when I moved to Sydney, I played a little bit, and then moved to Canberra and played a lot. Right. Played Wagga, but um, started coach. I went back to uni and did a sports science degree, and uh, started as a development officer at the Brumbies, and then worked my way up from there. Okay. Because Wikipedia, which is obviously never wrong about anything, um, well, said, said that you'd played uh, pretty much you know rep levels for, as far as I could tell, just about every sport other than rugby. Um, but then obviously you got into it. Yeah, Wagga is a um, is a great city if you love sport, and there's not too much else to do, to be honest. So <laughs> I was lucky. My parents um, threw me into a lot of sports, and I was lucky enough to get a, a bit of success with them. So, so mate, you you ended up you said there uh, being a development of, um, officer at, at the Brumbies. Um, was mm-hmm. that Eddie Jones's time? Look, uh, was the end of Rod's time. Right. Start of Eddie's time. Okay. Um, there was a little bit of hangover, but I think Rob was there for maybe uh, not for, not for long. So it was mainly for Eddie. Uh, he was the main coach whilst I was there. All right. So that must have been uh, you know quite a baptism of fire as a, sort of a first coach to to work with old Eddie. He's got quite a reputation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has, but. Um, Look, the thing I like about I've always liked about Eddie is he's got a work ethic that not too many other people rival. Yeah. Um he's very passionate about it and he's always he's always testing you and whatnot. And like in the early years I was there, I was I was more of an observer when it came to the um to the super rugby than I was a contributor. So I, I learned a lot in those years and I was lucky enough to continue that relationship when I went to Japan and um yeah, he always he always knows what buttons to push. It's an interesting <laughs> relationship. It's usually it's just to test you, yeah. and um, from that in those situations, you you usually find out what you're whether you know something or you're not, and yeah. um, it'll certainly help, learn a hell of a lot. Yeah. And does, uh, does he does he does he alternate? Like, does he have different approaches for different people, or is it what one off the bat everyone gets the same? 
Uh, oh, look, I think I saw some varying, some varying, depending on the relationship you had with him. <laughs> uh, I saw some players have some interesting conversations with him. I've seen some coaches have the same. So okay. I, I've I've uh, often heard uh, heard about Eddie Jones's chats, and I've never heard them called conversations before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, he, he can be an animated individual at times, but. Um, he, he's definitely got a lot of passion behind what he does, and he he knows his stuff. So, okay, um, <laughs> it's a mixed, very <laughs> mixed feeling. Okay, so mate, look, so you went from Canberra, and then you were uh, backs coach in Japan, was that right? I uh, was a coach coordinator there, so I ran the um, the rugby program with mm-hmm. uh, your foreigners over in Japan team. So you got to coordinate those guys as well, mm-hmm. and the training, um, the training program, and then I was coaching the. My hand in the back, the team attack, the, the contact aspects of it, um, defence. The, the first guy I had there um, was a former Japanese coach, and uh, he was excellent, really good, and um, he threw me into everything. So yep. it was definitely it was definitely a steep learning curve early on, mm-hmm. but um, one I look back and and really really appreciate getting. Okay. And then, mate. So from there, uh, did you, was that? Did you come back to Sydney from after that? Yeah, so I was there for uh, three and a half, nearly four years, and then came back to um, Sydney Uni for four years, four seasons. Yeah. Okay. And according to the the uh, fount of all knowledge, you won three consecutive premierships there. Mm, yeah. So, so, so there is the. Yeah, go on. Sorry, go. No. I went there as the director of rugby, yep, and then um, continued on for the following three seasons as the head coach. So, I mean, I'm I'm based in Brisbane, but I know enough about Sydney Uni to know that they're a bit of a powerhouse. What makes them so good? What makes that that you know the structure well, the, the? It's a combination of things. Yep. Uh, they cop a bit of they cop a bit of a bit of stick, um, funnily enough, but. I, I, I scratch my head when I hear it. I mean, it, it there's an organisation that's got very good leadership. Um, they've got a lot of people contributing in some way, so they, they really do harness the, the the power of many, and usually the, those who have gone through the club and association with the club. They're well financed in that, in that regard. Corporate governance is good with the university. They've got a good relationship. Facilities are good, and they focus on they focus on the cults. So you know, these young kids come in. And for the most part, you know, they're intelligent to, to get to the university in the first place. So you get this this intelligent, athletic um, footballer to to put together into a team. So look, they are in a unique position, probably in um, Australian rugby. Not that, not that uh, you know, I think you know, Brisbane Uni is doing a good job up there. UQ is doing a good job up there as well, and. And now the association with the Brumbies and, and Canberra, there's they're really it's there's a probably a long way to go in that regard. But, mm-hmm. but yep. I'd say Sydney is leading the way definitely. Okay. So instead of criticising, they should probably try and learn a little from it. Uh, there's there's a lot to learn, and whilst I was there, and, that, and I'm pretty sure it's continued as well. They're very open to to people coming and having a look and, and explain them what they do and how they go about doing it. It's um, there's no real secret. They just get a lot of things. They get a lot, a lot of things right, and they work exceptionally hard. Mm. Because I'm, you know, Sydney Uni wasn't always the the powerhouse no. club, was it? I mean, you know, I, I remember 
before I bugged off over overseas, you know, everyone was always talking about Randwick and going on about how Randwick um, would never be challenged and mm. would always be the dominant club. But obviously, things have changed. Is you know, it's 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 not like they have to be like that, is it? No, I think I'll get this number wrong. I'm sure. I think Randwick had a stretch of 17 years mm. of consistent grand final performance. So they, and I think they still hold that. I don't think Uni's caught them up yet, but that's mm. that would be one of their one of their club goals. But uh, Uni was, um, you know, I think put down into the next division below, and uh, it took a, a concentrated effort from guys like Andrew Lennebon and David Mortimer and a lot of other individuals to to really get the club back on track. And, and they um, they did it through a lot of hard work and. Engaging a lot of other people who'd been through the university for their help, um, so they they have you know that's a really good example of what you can do with a with a clear focus and um, uh, a, a, the plan to work through. Okay, so mate, just out of interest, how long was that turnaround? Like, obviously they decided to. Uh, I'm not really sure about the history of it. Also, just out of interest, was it a yeah you know, quick couple of years they turned it all around or? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a quick couple of years. It was. It, it took a took a bit of doing, but um, I mean, it's all it's all subjective, I guess. But uh, you know, I, I, they went. They didn't. They didn't stay down the below for too long. They 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 got on a good. Um, they they got competitive quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. uh, I couldn't give you the exact um, the exact no, years right. it took. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't give you a warning that you were going to be given a quiz on the history of Sydney, <laughs> Sydney <laughs> University Rugby. Sorry about that. You but, uh... <laughs> refer back to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, look, mate, uh, from there, I, I believe you went to the Rebels and you were at the Rebels from the beginning um, and you've uh, mm. finished up there this year. Um, mm. What are your reflections over the time, I mean, you know, as I mean, I guess you've done a little bit of thinking back. Uh, what do you take away from it? What are the things you think about? Uh, look, it was definitely a unique experience, and one I was fortunate to to get. Um, uh, probably the feelings a little bit mixed. I think they're mostly positive, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good people involved in Victoria rugby. Um, a lot of people work exceptionally hard to to get that. Uh, the super team across the line in the first place and they continue to work hard there um, you know and so long as so long as the focus on the rebels and Victorian rugby is toward goes towards producing Victorian football rugby players and bringing them through mm-hmm. um, you know, and they might take 10 years really even a lot probably longer to be more realistic mm-hmm. but as long as they had that long term goal um, they will they will be successful. It's um, you know the, the reflections are many, but probably they're mostly around you know the young players that that have been able to um, get a chance at that at that level. Yeah, I mean it's got to be a pretty tough market to break into. We all know how crazy they are about AFL, and you know as much as they bang on about being a great sports city, it's AFL or nothing. So is is it a big subculture that's you know sort of there around the rugby clubs like yeah yeah surprisingly it's um well not, not surprising I shouldn't say that there, there is a strong rugby um um following there yeah um, there's a lot of expats living in Melbourne as well so you get that you know, it's pretty unique quite a unique following that compared to other super teams um but they, it needs to grow it needs to be strong stronger than it currently is and that's going to come through I think off the back 
largely of Victorian players coming through coming through the system and, and representing Melbourne uh, in Victoria with the, with the Rebels jump on their back. Yeah, and I guess beyond, become a, you know, a bit of a star for the young players to look up to and aspire to, and once they start doing that, they'll stop looking yeah. at the Buddy Franklins of the world. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right, man. It's a, it's a fantastic market Melbourne's got for sport. If you're a sports nut, you're a sport for choice, but uh. tough market to break into. Yeah. And, you know, you know, throw that into the, the Super 15 as well. I mean, a lot of those teams have been going for... You know, well over 100 years, you look at the Waratahs and the, and the Reds and whatnot, and there's a lot of history um, in those clubs. So, you know, Melbourne, whilst everyone wants Melbourne to be successful, you've got to put it in perspective as well. You've got to, you know, in a way, build toward, and build, I think you've got to build reasonably slowly because those foundations that you build, you don't want to go backwards on. Mm. Um, so that's sustainable and, and not something that's just a flash in the pan. Yeah. So, mate, I was just going to ask, when you look back and you think about I mean, if there was any one thing that you might do differently if you had the time again, is there anything you can think of? Oh, uh, look, I would have got... I would have probably forced my hand regarding ownership of the program a bit earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I look back, I was probably... I probably let a few things... Let myself be influenced in a few areas where I... You know, my gut was telling me something different, but um, mm. that was always a good experience to go through as well. And so, when you say ownership of the program, is that where Rod McQueen was director of rugby, or um, I mean, I'm just is, is that is that what you're talking about in that respect? No, no, Rod's Rod's been um, very supportive all the way through, and right. you know, the initial recruitment process was, um, you know, he spoke about. Um, a succession plan and followed through on it, which, which I was very appreciative of. And you know, he still is. He still is a supportive. I've got some more saying. I was probably, you know, the, that was my first, my first role at that level, mm-hmm. and uh, I was probably too accommodating in in certain aspects. Where, mm-hmm. you know, having had my time over again, I would have done things a bit differently. But uh, Taking the a bit. important thing is that you learn from it, and I definitely have. Okay, you have a bit so, more of an Eddie Jones. No, look, I don't think I'll ever be Eddie Jones. (laughs) Um, uh, There's only only room for one Eddie Jones. In in the world, in the universe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, a lot of confidence. Yeah. So, so what's next for for you then? Where are you going to apply these learnings? Uh, Look, it's a pretty pretty difficult. No, it's pretty difficult time in terms of um, stepping out of a super franchise because there's nothing you know Europe and Japan are all they, they don't open till um, you know, looking really early in the, in the new year mm-hmm. and the super teams by the time the season comes they're already they're already focused on on the next pre-season so mm-hmm. I'm in limbo a little bit in terms of coaching but um, I'm you know, starting to actively look now and I'm confident something will come up, but uh, I definitely want to stay in the game. It's mm-hmm. it's um, it gets in your blood, and it's really hard to really miss it when you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Because one of the things that we kept commenting on um, with the rebels, especially as that season went on, and a few mm. you know personalities kind of just kind of you know came to see more associated with the club, so you could see it more. Was we all thought that mm. there really turned out to be a real nucleus of a team there, which. 
you know, delivered some amazing results. Yeah, look, I'm ex- I was exceptionally proud of um, what the playing group, the coaching staff, the football unit, uh, which I'm part of, were able to achieve. It was, um, you know, I've had a few chats to people, to people since then, and they who, who I appreciate their rugby knowledge, and they, and they scratched, they scratched their head, and they said, "I don't know how you guys achieve what you achieve with with the, the hurdles and the and the inexperience that you had." And um, you know, I, don't, I don't think there's any one person you can attribute that success to. I think it's a accumulation of things. But lots of the young players we had uh, did exceptionally well. Um, Scott Higginbotham took to the captaincy in, in Gareth's absence exceptionally well. And I've no doubt we'll probably go on to captain the team next season as well. Mm. Uh, you're, seeing young, you're seeing both like Nick Phipps and... Huey Pyle, Mitch Inman, uh, Luke Jones, all those guys we've spoken about at the next level yeah. and you know, they've come through the Rebels. And there's a lot of other young kids there too, Paul Allo-Emil and uh, young Nick Sturzacker. Um, and look what short time with, with, with Bryce Hegarty, but you know, he's got some, he's got definitely got some talent there as well. Mm. Um, you know, there's some, a lot of other young kids there too that will come through and put their hand up in the, in the next couple of years, I think. Yeah, and mate, just talking about that. That's you got to. Sorry, you got to back that. I think you got to back youth. It's very important to have experience in the team, but you could continually to be. I think putting your putting your resources and and focus on the on the youth coming through because it just continually builds and strengthens the place in which you're going to play in your depth. Okay. And just going back, you, you were talking about the Scott Higginbotham becoming captain. I mean, that was a bit of a masterstroke, wasn't it? Because it, it, it seemed to kind of just change him as a player as well. I mean, the whole way he played um, and, and what he did, uh, you know, just when he got that extra responsibility, really seemed to, to gel. Mm. How did it come about? Uh, look, well, Gareth was injured. Um, and a few other leaders in the, in the club, but they weren't... They weren't performing well enough to start. Um, I put uh, James O'Connor into the role for a week just to see. You know, it was a bit of a bit of a test, but to yeah. see whether I could spark something there, um, which unfortunately didn't work. Um, and that's watching like Scott was Scott was quite reserved when he first came to the club. Yeah. Um, overplayed his hand, underplayed his hand at training, overplayed his hands in the game and gave away a few penalties, but. He went from he went from nine uh, from six down to four down to two or something. He, he worked on that, and just picking up on his demeanour in the playing group. Um, he didn't speak too too much, but when he did speak, you it was a it, it was a valuable comment. And then he started to back up those comments with his performance on the field. So, but there, there's, a, there's a guy who hasn't don't have any captaincy at all in any of his sporting career. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a risk as well, but. It was a calculated risk that um, hmm. that paid off. Well, because uh, I mean, Tim, you'll know this better than me, but I think, I guess, you know, just on what we talked to some people when he was at the Reds was that. Um, you know, he wasn't. You know, he he could be. A, well, what's the word we're looking for, Tim? He just he wasn't always in the thick of it. He was sometimes. You know, quite often you'd see him kind of standing around the edges and things like that. Um, yeah. So he wasn't necessarily the guy that you'd go. Oh, right, that's the big personality who's a definite captain. Um, mm. You obviously. Yeah, I, the, the times. Yeah, the times I spent around 
you know, when he was at the Reds, very quiet and sort of never said too much, like mm. almost shy. But the players mm. loved him, so you know, obviously the there's something there. Yeah, I like to watch how certain players would react to him, and you can tell a lot in a group um, when someone speaks just the body language of the playing group, where their eyes divert to, how they react to it, and. I don't know whether somebody, even the players actually realise they're doing it sometimes, but they're reacting physically as well as their their mental is mental clicked into what that person's saying and doing, and you pick under those into those cues, and you can usually tell who uh, who the good leaders are, and and he started to show signs. I should say though, he's got a long way to go too. He's uh, he's done exceptionally well, but he will be. He, he could be a very, very good captain. Um, and the Wallabies at the moment, kind of Hall's doing a good job, and a few others around there. But I think having a guy like him coming through the through those ranks with strong captaincy experience is going to be, add value as well. Okay. All right, mate. Well, look. Um, moving on. Obviously, we've got the the Bledisloe this weekend. Um, mm. Where do you think there are areas of opportunity for the Wallabies? Can you say any? Uh, I, I know there's an ageing an ageing argument that's come up with the number of players over 30 but look I don't I don't really give that much credence uh, well I think the, what the All Blacks from what I can see at the moment are going through that, that area where they're they're trying to balance players off regarding the experience they bring mm-hmm. versus their performances and that, so you've got that you know you've got the your Carter including the 10 Who's going to be the hooker? Is it Milano or Hall? Or like give Coles a go. Um, Richie McCaw at seven. You know, he's, you know, the question marks still over his body a little bit. We're young Matt Todd or Sam Kane. Will they be given a go? I think that's their that's their probably issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. If you look at you know, your ten, your two, and your seven, I mean they're, they're three real key players in terms of their touches of the ball and. Direction, um, McCall the captaincy. So I think that's that's what they're going through at the moment, that transition. But for the rest of the team, um, you know, Nonu and Smith in the, the centre pairing. I don't know who they go for their back three, but I presume Dag will be there, or Seville will be there, or, or Ben Smith. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's weapons and threats everywhere. So look, they, again, they will be, they'll go into the game as favourites, and, and rightly so. Okay. So Link's a pretty wily customer, though, and he he always seems to have something up his sleeve for mm. um, anyone he plays against. And I mean, you know, up until a couple of games ago, anyway. yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe you can set me right. But I mean, up until a few games ago, he seemed to, you know, for example, he always he had a good record against the Chiefs, as an example. Um, mm. You know, what do you reckon, what sort of little tactics do you reckon he'll be targeting? I mean, you know, in the past it was maybe the All Blacks line-out wasn't always up to snuff. Is there something about this age that you're thinking that will maybe, I mean, does it push you to make you think about who, you know, Gill and Hooper or something? I don't know. Is there is there something that you think, look, there might be a tactic to look out for, maybe, you know, with you having seen what Link kind of throws at people? Uh, look, he... Yeah, I've got a lot of admiration for, the, for what uh, Ewan's achieved and mm. his, his success of, in recent years has been a while in the coming but it's been great to see and you know, rightly so he should be the 
should be the Wallaby coach. Mm-hmm. But he's he's hanging his hat at the moment. I think on you know on that on that nine ten combination that from from the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to rely a lot on you know that. I'll be interested to see first phase how he, how they get to go forward first phase mm-hmm. and. I assume Leo Farmer is going to be the 12, and Ashley Cooper will be the 13. You know, Falau's not really a, a Van Eyton type player. I don't know how they're going to go at fullback, but whether it's O'Connor or Foley or or Mog, they're not either. So he'd probably have to go with a Cummins or somebody on the wing. So you're relying on Cummins and a, and Ashley Cooper to get your go forward, and then off the back of good go forward, then Cooper could be exceptionally dangerous, and he'll really play at the line and. That's what you've got to do with the, with the All Blacks. You've got to unsettle their defence and then maintain that and keep them unsettled as much as you can. And then guys like that really stand out. Mm-hmm. But if it, if it's stopped, they're going to have to rely on Genia to to get that regenerate that go forward again. Um, and then and then rely on Cooper to to, to feed off that. So mm-hmm. look, I think you'll go a reasonably big pack in the hall and whether he goes Fardy or Douglas, will probably go Fardy based on. On his super, um, super performances, if the minimum's fit, which I think he is, mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be danger at six. And then it depends on when he goes at uh, eight, whether Marlon gets a, a crack and they and they favour their line out and they do attack the line out, mm-hmm. or whether they whether they put in shots on account like another someone's hard on the ball to really help Hooper, which would probably probably mean that they're going to go a bit more direct. Um, in their attack, so I think it's going to depend on who they choose to go. Whether they can choose to attack Cruden or whether they choose to attack, you know, depending on who the severe or mm-hmm. you know one of the the big wingers that the ball back could throw at you. Mm-hmm. Will depend a little bit on their on their tactics. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of smarts in that team around the halves. A lot of experience in, in Ashley Cooper. Um, you know, I, I assume not most teams. He'll just be looking at getting that. Making sure he can get some go forward ball and can condense that all that defence a little bit. Mm-hmm. So players like Ashburn, that Quay can really go up the line and play uh, and play the holes around that that they create. Okay. And I, don't like, think, I don't think you go into, I don't think you go into the All Blacks with a fancy game plan. They're, just, um, they're too good. You, you've got to go in there with a real positive but reasonably simple um, points of attack. And you're going to stick to it, and um, this one of the teams going to be a big, a, a big thing against the form the All Blacks team. Okay, and mate, do you think? I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned a few things about Link there, but um, obviously we've had the, the one national coach. You know, what, what was it? Seven years. Um, we were just thinking the other day about all the things that changed in those seven years, like the, the US re-elected a black president twice, um, <laughs> and uh, but you know. What do you expect to change now? Do you think there'll be much change in the whole way the things run and the setup, having seen those two guys in action? Uh, look, the, what you think up through the media, Ewan's really trying to create um, you know, immense competition for spots. Uh, and I think he's keeping his cards a little bit closer to his chest than, than the previous coach, so... He probably kept them guessing a little bit longer, but um, look, I think eventually there'll be you'll, you'll see Ewan's um, game being imposed, style being imposed more on onto the team. But look, in the short term, 
you can't expect too much too too early, I don't think. Okay. All righty, mate. Well, look, the one final thing I was going to say, it kind of came up in your discussion. You said, you know, coaching gets in the blood, and and which is why you want to you want to keep at it. What is it? I mean, what is that thing that gives you the ultimate buzz? What's the thing that happens? Is it winning? Is it something about when you you know something in the players, uh, or is there a certain or is there a certain time of the day that you think this is why I love this job? Is it what is what is it for you that kind of summarizes that or captures that best? Uh, it's a lot of things, but mm. seeing a player come in at a certain level of, of skill, fitness, uh, mental capacity, um, you know, shyness, if you like, and seeing that player grow in all those areas, I get a real buzz out of that. Mm. Um, but the, big, the biggest challenge I find is if you're recruiting quality players with individual skill, is how you how you create a... Well, one more attack focus and defense focus. How to create attack or a game style that really brings out those aspects individually, and, and rather than damping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get that right, like that second half against the, the Highlanders, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for a better way to finish up um, because we played we played a, a game, the game style. A lot of things came together in that in that forty minutes. Yep. And um, that we'd be working on. You'd seen patches during the year, but. Uh, I got an immense thrill out of out of that, and especially on the players' faces when they walk off, say, you know, just knowing that they've achieved something as a yeah. unit is yeah. um, is a huge thrill. Yeah, well, that was quite an incredible game. That one, that was um, that was unbelievable. Um, all right, mate. Look, thanks very much for coming on. Um, appreciate it. No problem. Uh, appreciate your candid answers and, and everything else. Um, as we've, as I maybe mentioned to you, it'd be great to get sort of your viewpoint on a few things um, in the site from time to time. So maybe we can persuade you to do that. But um, otherwise, thank you, thanks for your time tonight. No, thanks for for um, for asking me, and I'd be more than happy to uh, to contribute where I could. Great, mate. Thanks very much. Perfect. Thanks, Cheers. Dave. Thank you. Yeah, right there. Right there. So, Damien Hill leaves the studio, and in, in his place is another rugby guru, Hugh Cavill. Mate, how are you? I'm, I'm bloody good. And look, unlike Damien Hill, I didn't lose a game this year in my super rugby coaching. So, there you go. <laughs> so, you've, you've finally got someone in with an undefeated record. So, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, 100% there, mate. Um, okay. So, it's it, yeah, good to have you. And it's good to see that you're still standing um, after some of those skirmishes we had on the uh, front page uh, with the Quaid rage that was going on during the week. Oh, we, we've had it all the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We've had the yeah. Quaid rage. We've had the you know a couple of Waratahs left out of the squad. We've had... Yeah. Oh, everything now. I mean, the the um, I guess the the thing that gets me about that is that you know, Quaid, the protected species, you're not allowed to criticism. There's mm. people on here who think that that's not the case, and I'm I'm just wondering who that is because clearly you aren't allowed to criticise him. Yeah, well, I don't want to hear any more of it. <laughs> well, oh yeah, let's not open that all that one up again. I mean, yeah, it was interesting though. I mean, I it, it took me aback. And um, I kind of read back through it, but anyway, um, I guess everyone's got their opinion, and so, some certainly got aired uh, pretty vociferously. Um, but look, let's talk about the squad. Uh, so they've cut—is it like eleven players—and then added one or two in? Tim, yeah. you, you've got the SP there, mate. What happened, mate? I 
I've uh, I've done some stuff where I've compared lists. It's some very hit. manual process. I'm sure it's wrong. I was going but... to call this analysis, but I don't want to get us into more trouble. No, no, it's a it's opinion piece. Okay. We've got um, Dave Dennis, mm. Gorn. Pow. Uh, Peter Kimlin. Injury there, there right? Tall. Is it? I think there's injuries involved there. And yeah, tough yep. blood now. Injuries as well. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Pyle. Gone. Yeah. Which I, I to tell you the tell you the truth, I didn't see that coming. I thought uh, you know, I've got high pins of Hugh and what what he may be able to do. Um but Ben Robinson. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's probably the big talking point. Yeah, um, you know, the Link's got form with dropping him to, you know, make him more hungry and a better player and mm. could be that, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it's probably something that uh to do with the new scrum laws, and maybe he's not quite the right shape. Mm-hmm. Paddy Ryan, he's also gone. That's uh, forwards. Do we... Albert Anne's come in mm-hmm. along the way as well, um, which I'm not sure where he is, whether he's a prop or a hooker or a bit of both. All right, so what, look, should we talk forwards there then? Hugh, on the scale of 1 to 11, how outraged are you about Ben Robinson getting the bullet? Ooh, look, I'm probably about a six, I reckon. I don't know if outrage is the right word. I'm more bemused. Right. I, I, I found it a really, really left fielder. Mm. Um, I, you know, the, the problem with Leakey is he's playing very coy about this, so we don't really know why Ben Robinson was dropped. And the problem is in that vacuum, people on the blog and on the forum have been filling in with reasons, oh, maybe it's his attitude off the field. Maybe it's, you know, he's not training hard enough. You know, look, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. it would have to have been something serious. Uh, and I think, look, the scrum laws is obviously the, the most logical explanation. But even then, I think that's a, I think that's a cop out. I think it's a straight out bad selection decision. Um, I, I don't understand how we can drop the one prop that performed against the British Lions. It, it, yeah. You know, and it wasn't as if Slipper and Kepu were coming on and destroying scrums when they came on off the bench. Yeah. I mean, we were doing it all with Benny Robbo on the ground. So, look, uh, I think if you just said to me, uh, if you said to me after that third test that one of those two props at the start of the game wouldn't be picked in the next squad. Uh, I don't think I would have guessed it would have been Benny Robert, put it no, that way. No, so, think, yeah. There's a lot of people saying, actually, that yeah, it, it, Benny A's career might have been on the rocks. But, um, yeah, like you say, it's turned the other way around. I mean, even if you argue that, and I think, you know, uh, Scott Seo has had a, a blinding, you know, season. And I think you could see him. He's really got uh, international written all over him, even though he's, you know, yet to really get any experience there. The next question is, so, okay, let's say Scott Seo is now your starting international prop. Well, the thing is, too, he, the he's, the, he's the only uh, full-time loose head. Well, that's, what I'm, that's, that's where I'm going with this, is like, you know, who's the backup slash other guy or whoever's starting? I mean, are we... Because I think the other guys you've got there are... Uh, Slipper, Kepu. Alexander and Kepu. Yeah. And I'm guessing, I mean, I mean at international level, Kepu's been playing tight head, right? Alexander's yep. been playing tight head. So, but then Flipper's been playing tight head all season for the Reds. Yep. So, so yeah, look, that's a, it's an interesting one. It's a and, and and back in the day, when you only had one prop reserve, you could kind of say, well, Slipper can play both sides. Mm. Or, or you, could, you know, Benny Alexander can play both sides. They all can all play both sides. And you could do that off the bench. But now you've got two bench props. You've got no excuse not to have two specialists. Yeah. Um, so, it's... It's a real head scratcher, and, and the only thing I can come up with is, is I, I think Link, 
going on some of his selections and seems to be very much backing the Reds players, which, you know, it's, it's understandable to an extent. Um, well, but I, I think unless it's understandable he that, in that he knows them better. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, but... That, that and that excuse is going to wash for a while, but uh, only for so long. I mean, but the my only conclusion, I think maybe Link thinks Slipper's a better loose head than Robbo. That mm. that's what it might come down to, and I, I think, frankly, that's misguided. And I think if, if and look, Slipper says he wants to play loose head, but James O'Connor said he wanted to play ten. And I know it's not a like for like comparison, but <laughs> I mean, it's it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, you know, I think it, yeah, we've got, we've got to be picking blokes in the position they played Super Rugby. Yeah, we're, we're playing with Queensland fi- rage fire here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love I, it. I, you know what I reckon? I reckon you might uh, end up with. I, I'm not going to say who's going to start, but I reckon you may have one of your prop. Um, I mean, is Albadene one of your prop oh, God, reserves? I hope not. Totally and from left field. That, no, that he can play. That he can play prop and hooker, which frees up a little bit. You know, you can you do do some trickery there, and Look, you, know, you okay. free up a bit of an extra spot for because you're not allowed to use all all the. You know, you've got 23 men, but you're only allowed to use 22 of them unless it's to keep the front row running, right? So he won't get a run, but he'll be there just in case. You got your prop on the you got your prop on the bench. You got your hooker on the bench. You got Albert doing the other one. You play it like it's um, you're only going to use the immune emergency anyway, and you get an extra back. I'd agree with that if Albertano was a Super Rugby standard hooker or a Super Rugby standard prop, but the fact is he's neither. <laughs> yeah, you but know? he's not like, going to get used. No, but what if he does? I mean, you can't say yeah, that. Yeah, he'll do all right. All of a sudden, Squeaky Moore goes down, and you've got Albertano, who's barely played for the Reds, throwing the lineups. I don't mind having him yeah, in the squad. Got, I can understand got, because... You've got Fanger on the bench as well. That's what I'm saying. You've got a hooker. You've got a prop. And him. So if Squeak goes down, you've got Fanger to come on, which well, was I always going to be the case anyway. Again, I think if he was a really good prop, I think I could understand your argument. But I think you're playing with fire, having someone that's clearly not up to test standard. I mean, Albertano's there. He's and never been wise. tested. You can't say he's clearly not up. To <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what he can do? Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, th- I think we're moving into Robbie I know, Green selection I know territory I'm, here, aren't we? I know. Well, well, ma- Albertano's there. But, uh, I mean, people. No, but see, you, a few people I know have gone at the squad and go, "Oh, they've they've left out Robbo and they put in Albert Anne." And on the face of it, that I can see that. But Albert Anne's there because he's the only bloke hooker that can play hooker in Australia that's fit. Are the third other than Sayer and and yep. um, Stevie Moore? So I think he's there as a third hooker, to be honest. But I, geez, I think Link would be pushing it a little bit with the, with having him on the bench. Mm. Mate, it's all under control. So the, so the, I, I've just come up with that theory then, and it, I, I can't find a hole in it. <laughs> right, let's move on from from um, the shoe in Albert Anne, and um, I guess the only other one in there was probably Dave Dennis. Um, level of outrage on this one, Timsey, or it was, it was a bit more of a, a no, I don't mind. That's all right. A meh. I mean, I you know I think what I like to look is that uh, Scott Fardy sounds like he's in the you know he's in the proper reckoning, and actually uh, you wouldn't have heard it. Barbar just when we had Damien Hill on, but he was talking about, you know, potentially Fardy as starting lock next to James Hall. Yeah, that's what I'd pick. I like it. I like it a lot. And then and then and then and then that gives you space to put like a triple M at at six. Yep. Yeah, well, or, or yeah, exactly. I agree. Or, or a Betty McCalman, someone who does a bit more grunt work, you know, um, and because you got Fardy is a bit more of a ball runner. I think that's a great. I think that's a great idea, mm, gotta, especially gotta... because we don't have that obvious second lock option where Kane Douglas and Robbie Simmons never really stepped up. I think there's a gap there for Fardy. Neither of them have made it their own, have they? Mm. I mean, no, they're exactly. Both, they're both great reserves, but um... well, I like it a bit. There's a touch of mongrel about those two. Not, they're not, you know, mongrel in the old way of kind of 
standing up and just going haymakers, but you know, just someone to really get the grunt work done, which you know, yeah. you, you need to have against these guys. And 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 in Fardy's, you know, another plus in his beard starting to come back. Oh, bringing back the beard. Um, all right, so so that was the forwards. Give us the backs. Uh, yep. The outs. What part of the backs? Well, the one the people that, that are out. The, oh, the outs. Okay, the yeah. Peter Beetham. Yeah. Uh, Amphianger, which we knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris F. Sortier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Harris. Mm-hmm. And Nick Phipps. So out of all those, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people kind of said, "Ah, oh, well, finally, um, some seeing some sense around the halfback selections there um, yep. with White instead of Phipps." Um, See, I, I'll never argue uh, for Nick Phipps over Nick White necessarily, but no. I, I'm of the opinion that I think. Phipps is all I could have understood if Phipps was picked over White. Basically, I'm not as outraged as people other people are about Phipps. I think he's he's actually a player who's quite suited to playing on the bench mm-hmm. as a halfback. In that he offers a bit more of a running game to put those tired defenses back on their heels and a bit more sniping and a bit more sharp work close to the ruck. Where mm-hmm. White, I see as you know his strength is obviously in his kicking game and and a bit more in his game management. So. Right. I could have understood if if the decision went the other way, but at the same time, it's good to see White being rewarded for his good year. Yeah. Okay. And any of the, I, I'm not sure any of the rest of those, and a, a big surprise to anyone, which kind of brings me to the whole thing of at this point in time, apart from Benny Robbo, I mean, probably the only other thing is that he's still got three um, five eights in there. Um, you know, which I which has got most of us guessing, but it's kind of hard to nail anything else down, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, he's he's being very coy, Link. I mean, I think he said in one of the press conferences that he'd consider not even naming his starting fifteen until the hour before the game, mm. um, which is you know that's uh, cold war levels of intrigue and espionage there. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> like I don't know. Look, I think there's a, I mean that that add a little bit more interest. Uh, f- in the, in the game, but uh, you've got, I'm not you've sure got if that's necessarily you, needed. The All Blacks will be preparing for Quaid to start at 10. Mm. See, that's to be honest, only... I don't know how much the All Blacks would really care who, who lines up in. I suppose, you know, obviously they'd probably do a bit of homework, but ultimately they're not, they're not going to be, um, you know, they're a professional sporting team. They're not going to be uh, having to go back and, you know, wipe off all their plans on the whiteboard if they get the team an hour before the game and it's Tamura instead of Quaid. I mean, I, I don't think that would really get under their skin, although I do like a bit of cross-Tasman, you know, sort of. Yeah, uh, I, I, don't think it'll, I don't think it'll get under their skin, but you've got, they've got, they're going to have certain things they're going to target depending on who it is. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you always hear coaches talking about is you've got a certain amount of time to do stuff, and you can only dedicate certain amounts. You know, you've only got this much time to dev- dedicate to whatever you need to do. Mm. By giving it that he has to, they have to prepare for a few different things and look at those things. You, you're eating into that time. And what other weapons has he got? I mean, he's got nothing else. So, mm. yeah, you know what I mean. I think oh, it's look, a great, he's, yeah. Great, yeah, I, I, and I and I would think uh, I, I see your point, Barbara. Look, ultimately, this All Black team would be able to play pretty much anyone off scratch, um, you know, without even a week preparation, and, and they're still going to be a massive handful. But the truth is, I think, as Timsy said, all international teams sit down and go right, you know, looking at who's uh, um, in front of us on this park, where are we going to concentrate? And if Quade's standing at ten. You know, and and or and or you assume then he's going to be swapping with somebody into you know out to fifteen. Then you start planning around that. Um, you know, as far as your first phase attack at least, and those sorts of things. So I I I 
quite like that thinking there, Timsey, as far as, you know, this is this keeping him all guessing? Here's the thing, because I think this is fascinating from a Lynx perspective. He's like the ultimate pragmatist, I think, in my understanding of him as, as, as a person. So it's going to be fascinating to see, because I haven't heard many people, I think even the, you know, almost the, the staunchest people who flared up during the week on the website um, on that article about Cooper, the number of people who said, and actually he wouldn't be my first choice, but how dare you slight his name. Um, you know, I, I, it was it was quite interesting. I think most people, and in, by the po- looking of the poll, more than 50% of the answers in the poll weren't for Cooper. I think it was like around 60% between um, uh, Tamua and Foley, and Fo- and Tamua still has a higher count than Cooper, even one-on-one. So I think most people are looking there, and I haven't heard many pundits saying, look, that Cooper is some vastly different creature than he last was when he played the All Blacks. Um, and, and so, and you know, Link's got to know that. He's got to know that Cooper's bringing this baggage. Versus you look at someone like a Tamua, and as our poll results say, I think a lot of people can say, well, hang on a minute, you, you, you bring a Tamua in and suddenly you go from having a defensive liability to having, you know, a, a, a defensive plus, you know, an attacking weapon at 10 and just how that would change things. Um, so I think it's going to be fascinating to see because I, I, I just don't read into Link that he's going to be doing it for sentiment. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting, that decision. And yeah. to your but, point, Timsy, I wonder what's going on here with these three guys still in the squad. Yeah, yeah look, I love it, it. It, it's funny. I mean, the 5-8 debates, that, you know, you've got to think Foley. I'm not sure quite why Bernard Foley's there. It's good to have him around the squad. And in that analysis of last week, he was clearly, a, a, you know, quite a standout in, in, in the stats. But... With Cooper, I think I think you know Link is going to pick him, and and yes, I hope he discards sentimentality. But then again, Timsey, as you said before, well, on some of this, he's gone with what he knows, um, and you know it seems to be revert to well, instead of you know in hooker, well, he'll pick Albertano, who's not even a second tier red hooker. He's gone to guys like Slipper and Shatson, who are deserving, but certainly there's been a bit more Queenslanders in the squad. So, look, I, I think I expect him to play Cooper, and I look so I probably would too. Um, the thing with Linky is at the moment we're in a bit of a funny zone. It's the first week, and knowing Link's reputation for sort of thinking outside the square coaching, I think I'm certainly of the case where I'm not going to judge his his coaching basically until I see the end score, until I see the team on the paddock. Mm. He might come out and play James Slipper at outside centre, and I'll probably go, "Oh, geez, Link, that's a bit of a risk," but uh, I'm still with you here, mm. and I think most of the Australian rugby fans will too. I think. He, yeah, he's in that beautiful first week honeymoon period where basically we're saying, look, mate, you've got the track record, do what you've got to do. The other but thing if it too, doesn't work on Saturday, that's when it's going to start turning. Yeah, but the other thing too, it, it's his first outing. Um, he's going to—he's he, basically got free reign because he can't lose. He's losing. You lose against the All Blacks. You know they're going in his favourites anyway. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, got look, a bit of freedom I, to he do. He can and he things. can't. Yeah, look, if he, as I said, if he picks if, what everyone would want to be. But, yeah, like if if he picks what everyone regards to be the best team or something close to it, he doesn't. If he if, look, if he starts someone like Jake Schatz or something, you know, or you know, someone that's probably a bit left field and it doesn't come off, well, that starts to erode the trust that, that people place in him. Um, but obviously, I can't. I still have faith that he won't do that. But um, yeah, it, it's obviously it's just a week to week thing. And yeah, I think really start to to agitate. But at the same time, I think you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's um, walking a bit of a tightrope, mm. um, as as all top coaches do. 
Um, well, here's the other thing is um, the, uh, the only thing I'd say to finish that when I was off, off is, look, you know, Ben Robinson, I don't think any of us saw that coming. So I wonder if there is another surprise in there. Um, so it'd be fascinating to see. Yeah, um, oh, I love surprises. I also yeah. love this. I, I'm, I'm more pumped for this Bledisley than I have been for a long time. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. You know what funny the funny thing is though in Sydney really low key. It's not a sellout. It's only six. You know they're not going to have a big crowd in, or they're going to have sixty plus. But the build up's been very slow. I think everyone's a bit of a lines hangover. A lot of people have already sort of spent their money, and you know it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit slow here. So hopefully it'll start to ramp up. I, I, coming it could days. be just because I haven't really advertised I'm coming down. I'll be there. So <laughs> mate, you want, if you want to get close, everyone's holding buy a ticket. Everyone's holding their breath, mate. That, that, that's what that's what the problem is at the moment. Okay, now as our second phone in ever, so a bit more, a bit of a new segment here, um, letting giving people the, the chance to air their views. We're joined now by all the way from Melbourne, Travis, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Charlie. How's yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, so, so good to have you on. You, 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 this is our this is our second Melbourne person tonight. It is, and, indeed. and who says they're underrepresented? Yeah, it's out of control. So, yeah, because you you wouldn't know Damien Hill. We had earlier on Travis. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Generally, a quiet bloke. So, uh, wouldn't wouldn't expect him to do many uh, phone call interviews. Yeah, no, he, he was good though. I mean, he, we were a little bit worried. He's, he's he sounded he was a. You know, little like you say, a little bit quiet, but um, you know, we had a good old chat with him, so we're hoping to um, he might be able to give us some more input as time goes on. But um, so, mate, as far as you know, your opinion on a few things here, we wanted first one is the, the, the these new scrum variations. Just you know, off you know, off the top of your head, what are your thoughts on them? Uh, I thought so. It's probably going to um, overall long-term be a better thing for the game. Yeah. It's going to decrease the amount of resets, which is what most of the rugby haters, um, you know, see the most of mm. in rugby and see as the negative side of rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the short term, it is a very quick change from another um, scrum variation that they did, you know, only 12 months or so ago. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a toughie. Timsey, you, you're, you're somebody who, who's, you know, Who's in the scrum? I want to say, do you play prop? Have you ever played prop? I've played, I've played a bit of prop. Proper eight, right? Proper number eight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I got a bit of toe, so it's a bit of a waste sometimes being, you know, stuck in the tie five. So um, <laughs> a bit of toe, you said a big toe because somebody stepped on it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest of it was missing, but I only got a bit of it left. But no, no, it's all right. Yeah. So, but Tim, you, you were a bit of a fan of the hit, weren't you? Are you? Oh, are I love you, the hit. So yeah, you, I'm a bit sad. So a little morning, bit sad. Or what? I'm not going to slip my wrists or anything, but right. um, you know, I, I can understand, and I'm a reasonable sort of, you know, person that c- can can look at the reasons why they're doing this, and you know, I, I can fully understand it. And I'm not against the change, but right. I, I I am going to miss the glorious hit. Okay. I do I do love it. So let's talk through just because there there are backs who occasionally listen to this show. Um, and so, so for those guys, I'm just going to run through what these sort of changes are. So first of all, there's going to preset where the props have to bind onto each other. Um, so this means that they're going to obviously uh, start closer together. The hit won't be quite as powerful as they were. And also, I think height-wise, it's going to make it 
probably harder, for example, for loose heads to kind of use height to get underneath tight heads. Um, like short, rounded sort of prop. Yes, who wear scrum caps, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And then um, after the scrum set, then the scrum's got to be stable before the ball can be fed. I mean, this was always theoretically a rule, but no yep. one seemed to give a toss about it. for like, Yeah, and, and then there was another rule that they're, they're changing. Where well, you've got to throw the ball in straight. Well, yeah, not change, but yeah. Oh, not change. They're Actually, actually yeah, just po- just police. That's all you need to do. But they're the th- they're, they're the three key things that obviously they're going to be looking in at um, and 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 looking to change. Um, and you know, this will be the first time I know. Steve Moore was talking. Um, there's some video I think around of him talking about it today. That this is going to be a bit of a suck it to s- and see for what's going to happen um, in in all this. But you, you think, Travi, though that. Travis, that it's going to, you know, the main thing is it's going to get rid of these resets, and that's a good thing, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I think in combination with the 23-man bench they've done now Mm. um, for the last year or so ago, and they've been doing it for a little while now, Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to stop uncontested scrums, and it's going to stop the the constant resetting, you know, two, three, four in a row Mm. that you do get, not every game, but every couple of games or every few games here and there. Okay. Mate, um, another thing that uh, we just thrown in that's that's interesting for this weekend, no Dan Carter. Uh, yes. what, does it, what does it mean? Are you are you like woohoo or is this just giving the chance to another guy who might actually even be hotter? I don't think it really matters. Any, any um, of the, you know, top three or four New Zealand fly halves are probably going to be better than Whoever asked those choices, whoever that is. Mm. Um, Sorry, are you are you daring to criticise Quade Cooper? Uh, I, 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 what? I, I think we I, cut him off I, a little bit early there because he said except Quade. They're better than <laughs> yeah, all. Sorry. Else Quaid. Other than Quade, yeah, right. Sorry, didn't you guys get that asterisk there? Sorry, <laughs> that's Mr. <laughs> Cooper to you. <laughs> Show some respect. <laughs> yeah. um, Right, so you, so you're you're basically thinking yeah, it's not going to make a big difference, Hugh. You got a view on this? No, I do. I, I, I disagree with Trevor. I think it will. I think yeah. they'll play Aaron Cruden. Um, and whilst he is an accomplished ten, he's Aaron certainly Cruden. a very good one. I was looking forward to Colin Slade. <laughs> oh, God. oh, Stephen Donald. <laughs> Stephen Donald. Mate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't going to get that excited. Yeah. The duck will come back. Can't, um, can't wait to play ten. He's not in the squad, so not really. But. Um, <laughs> You know, the Bledisloe is a high-pressure game, and and you saw how he uh, played in a, the recent high-pressure game in the Super Rugby final, where he shanked a few kicks, and he uh, he wasn't exactly um, in stellar form. Now, on his day, he's a great ten, obviously, and I. But um, Dan Carter was in some red-hot form towards the end of the season there, and you've got to think their back line's just not going to be quite as slick without him. I don't think it's a game; it's a you know huge game changer, but certainly it's uh, another little. Little uh, momentum changer between the two teams. So you take what you can get with the All Blacks, and that was a good one today. Okay. I mean, I, I the thing that I, th- I think Cruden maybe has that little bit more of an attacking X factor, Mindset. if I can say yeah. that. Yeah, than, than Carter. However, you know, I don't think anyone in world rugby has the way to, the ability to run a game like Carter does, do they? Um, Quaid. Oh, sorry, apart from Quaid. Yep. Um, but, you know, just that being able to change the pace, you know, if things go to crap, he can just put it in the corner or whatever he needs to do. So, um, I, I, yeah, maybe it's a positive uh, for us. Then, Travi, last thing, mate, anything you want to get off your chest? I know you mentioned something actually pre-recording 
that's fine. Go for it. What, what do you want to say? This is your uh, open mic. Just, uh, I'm, I'm probably uh, very grateful for the, uh, the department of a, uh, a certain player sponsored by a certain vitamin company mm -hmm. uh, from the Rebels. Uh, John Eels. Uh, <laughs> John Eels? Oh, I thought, didn't know he was... Yeah. No, no, continue. I'm sorry, I'm being facetious. <laughs> why has John Eels um, started doing this? Why has John Eels started doing those commercials? Because I think maybe they've shelved the, the rabbit and they've and eels he's on because I haven't seen one with, with JSC in it for ages and now it's all eels. Yeah. The thing I do know is that um, as a, if you're a sponsor of the Wallabies, you actually don't just get... You get a huge actually if you're a, if you're a serious sponsor, you, you don't just get players, you also get the coach, but then you also get access to some of the board members. And I think Eelsey and I think yeah, and I think also Gregan, Gregan as well. You get you, you get access to. So I don't know if that's part of the deal, um, or maybe they just thought who's the most opposite person to James O'Connor we can think of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and went for Johnny's. So anyway, you're saying maybe John Eels has always yeah. had fabulous hair, so he's not that opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, nobody nobody's perfect. Yeah. But um yeah, so you're saying it's so as a staunch Rebels fan, you are not so worried about your X Factor player departing. Uh, absolutely not. I think um there wasn't great the environment down in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um, especially last year you've got Kurtley Beale and Danny Cipriani and James O'Connor just created mayhem after mayhem and you know inside word says also that James O'Connor had you know a big hand to play in the Kirtley Beale Cooper Vino incident in uh, in the Republic at the start of the year allegedly and, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I yeah he well look you guys had I, I know you guys had a lot of time with the um with with the rebels down there, so I know you guys because with you being a core part of the rebel army, uh, you know had some good access to the guys, so you had a pretty good feel for how things were going on there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we you, you can read between the lines a lot with what players um, say in their public lines and on Twitter, and and obviously in person, they you know might say a couple of things they wouldn't say on camera or on mm. the record, um, but. Um, yeah, you, you can see that he wasn't necessarily the team man that the Rebels were after. Mm. Um, and, and Bryce Hegarty, who's, you know, taken up the team mantle mm. in the you know, second half of the season, is definitely somebody that the team respects and, and wants um, to succeed in that position. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, look, I, I, I tell you what, um, all, th all good things must come to the end, but I'm actually thinking, you know, for this for this 121th podcast, we've pretty, probably pretty much explored everything we can explore this week. We're all kind of living in a bit of a vacuum, aren't we? Um, until we've seen a game and maybe even seen a squad announced, there's there's not a lot there's not a lot more to talk about. I'm not sure. Um, so with that, I'm I'm just going to say, should we have a little chat about predictions then for the weekend? Um, Travis, I'll predict that it's going to be a glorious weekend. Yeah, <laughs> what weather wise or? Uh. A bit of everything. Yeah. What are you going What is for? the weather like? Better be up there. I'm going to go for the, uh, the drive up on Friday. Are you coming up, are you? I am indeed. Oh, mate, well, make, make, sure you, make sure you keep in touch. Um, it's well, The whole week is absolutely glorious. I understand that there might be a couple of showers around on Saturday. Um, that yeah. Was not, that was the last forecast I saw. That's the one I've seen as well. I mean, it was a peach of a day, but it says rain and 23. So mm. I don't know. And every other day is sunshine for the next week and a half. So yeah. you've got to hope that's uh, a bit of an aberration. But um, mm. 
That's been a peach of peach of a week in Sydney. Yeah, no. Well, hopefully it maybe hangs over. So, um, go on then, Timsy. Were you going to put a, a you know? Jeez, oh, I don't know. I, I I can't I can't tip against those Kiwis. I'm tip for those Kiwis. Yeah. Although maybe that was a Freudian slip. Uh, I'm going to say the Wallabies by three. Alrighty. Um, Hugh. Wallabies by one. Okay. Travi. Uh, I'll split the difference for these by two. I can't split the Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. You know, this is obviously a very balanced podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the guys, you know, with the new coach and the whole thing. They're going to give us a big shock and they're going to do it. Um, and, yeah. oh, you know, I'm going to go for what's a big margin. I'm going to say, look, you know, five. Wallabies by five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, even... Even Robbie Dean's won his first test against the All Blacks. Yeah, well, that's that's the old rule in sport. Always back the team with the new coach. Yeah. Always seems to uh, in the first game. Always seems to work wonders. So, um, look on the serious side, though. Look, I think we've we've got a really good chance. We've got a good team. The All Blacks will be strong as always. But you know, I think I think we can certainly do it. Yeah. No, well, I think Link's going to mix it up a bit, and I. I'm thinking that maybe the selection surprises haven't stopped yet, so um, it could be an interesting one. So here we go. So, all right, that's that's the end of uh, tonight's podcast. Thanks for you guys for joining. Thanks for everybody who downloaded or listening uh, and listened. And um, just left for us to say, uh, go the Wallabies. Let's go. Cheers, guys. We got this. Cheers. Seven blocks.